Hollister's up. Hollister's header! Goal! Oh, and it's Pallister! Gary Pallister, great goal! It's there! Pallister, the only player who hasn't scored a goal in this Manchester United team, scores with what's probably going to be the last kick of the match. Hello, welcome back to another Manchester United podcast. Currently, Maisie and I are sat at the Littleton Road Academy uh, complex, I guess you'd call it, where Manchester United's younger teams train now. Is that right? It is, yeah. Yeah. But back in the day, you guys would come here for pre-season or if the cliff was having a bit of work done, they were protecting the pitches, you would train here? Yeah. Uh, Every pre-season was done here. Mm -hmm. We'd probably spend every afternoon pre-season here and then probably the cliff would be just a little bit of ball work in the mornings. Yeah. But yeah, and then probably throughout the season, probably come over twice a week, maybe. Um, every Friday would always be at the cliff. So yeah, it's, uh, it's still exactly the same as what it was. Pitches are immaculate. There's still a dip <laughs> in the pitches as I look through these windows yeah. where Kiddo used to set the cones out and that would be around 250 metres out and that's where your legs would go. You just always end up in that little dip. Exactly. And your legs are cut to jelly. Yeah. Uh, and we are waiting for one of your former teammates, Gary Pallister. Yeah, I mean, wow, what a player. Yeah. What a player. I'm really looking forward to his stories because I think, you know, Pally's upbringing and the way getting into the game is a lot different than a lot of other footballers. Not so straightforward, you mean? Yeah, I think um, he had his, he had a few options of doing different sports it'll be very very interesting he's a great lad yeah room with him for two years laziest man on earth um, <laughs> and he really was he always used to get the bed furthest away from the door so we'd have to answer it just so that, yeah so I'd have to get up early I'd have to get up because I was nearest, nearest the door <laughs> but he'd set up um, his little stall next to the bed of his two litres bottle, bottle of coke family bag of crisps family bag of minstrels <laughs> and that'd be his little snack for uh, every away trip well, that sounds lovely. Maybe you'll tell us about it, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, we'll find out. We'll get into it right now. So Gary Pallister has uh, just come in with Helen, so we'll sit down and we'll get to it. We're still outside Manchester United's training facility on Littleton Road. We're in the car park with Gary Pallister. Gary, my first question for you is because you were just talking to Helen about your cars. What did you used to drive when you would come here? Oh, it wouldn't. when I first, uh, it was, um, oh, dear me, it was a, was it a Volkswagen. Oh, I can't remember. Polo. It was a club car. It was a club car. Polo, something like that? Uh, no. Did you get in a Polo? It was a Passat. <laughs> Volkswagen Passat. Very uh, mature car. There was three cars in that car park. We all got club cars. It was me, NC, and Danny Wallace. All had three different coloured Passats. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, so, was it nice? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Did you have uh, the yeah. estate version? No. No, that would look ridiculous. We had to try and be young, cool and trendy back then, mate. Uh, how old were you when you were first coming here? Um, I was um, 24 when I arrived here uh, at Manchester United and I think my first training session was actually here at Littleton Road as well. Um, I think I spent the Monday going through the medical and everything, trained on the Tuesday morning here, uh, which was my first time with the lads and then played 
against Norwich on a Wednesday night. Everybody would have heard of the cliff and obviously at Carrington. So what was what was this facility for? You two seem to have different opinions on when you were yeah, here Maisie, and why. Yeah, Maisie's probably got a better memory than, than me, but um, I, Maisie thinks we trained here maybe once or twice a week. Now, I thought we just trained here occasionally when the, the pitch was getting a little bit too knackered at the cliff. It was only the one pitch there, yeah. and the little what we used to call little Wembley behind the goal, which is a little patch of the land that we used to do shooting practice on. So when, when that kind of got a bit worn, I think we, we came here and trained quite a bit, but... Um, Maisie seems to think we trained here a lot more than I can remember anyway. That's because they never drove. Well, yeah, that was the, that was the, that was the fight. Back, in the, back at the cliff, we would always get changed at the cliff and drive here. And uh, if it was a horrible day and the pitch was clarty, then you didn't want to bring your, your car, obviously. So it was like a fight in the dressing rooms before you actually drive here for training yeah. about who was going to drive <laughs> because the boots would get taken off. You'd be, you know what I mean? You'd be full of mud and, full of mud and yeah. everything. You'd be jumping in somebody's car. Drivers? And, yeah. Yeah, I, I used to drive. That means you've got no pride in your car then? I'll just look at the stay of it. It's got two parking <laughs> tickets in there, I've still not been paid. Has it? Yeah. There's a shock. We would normally do it, well, every year it'd be pre-season here, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I did come out in a kind of a cold sweat when I arrived here this morning because this, <laughs> this was the place of a lot of pain, wasn't it? And oh, I wasn't the best, as people will tell you, I wasn't the, the best at, uh, at long-distance running. Some people would say training in general. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, this, this there's a lot of pain here Horrible. because uh, the warm-up used to be two laps of the uh, the pitch, and that was just the warm-up. And this is, it's this a long wall. It's, it's a, a thousand, thousand metres right the way around. I am not a professional athlete. I'm going to put that on the table right now. But looking at it, it doesn't, doesn't seem like that's big. a stretch for a professional footballer no, to do two laps of that. Two la- no, that was just a warm-up. Yeah, no, that's, I, that's yeah, just a warm-up. Yeah, it's not like a warm-up. You see that's warm-up like, before that's a game. 2, 000, that's 2,000 metres. They're going to do a few scratches. Right, I don't know. Yeah. A mile and three quarters, mile and a half. It still doesn't that's seem like a warm-up. That's just a warm-up. Mile and a half. Doesn't seem like that. Should we, should we get no, him stripped after this interview and get him to have a little run around and see how you feel? It's a lot longer than what you would actually think. i it's a long, long way. Would you have to... Run it at, like at a good pace, not just get round it. You... Whatever pace, well, it was Kiddo really, yeah. mainly, wasn't it? And Kiddo was quite a decent runner, so he he would set a decent pace for the for the for the warm up as yeah. well, wouldn't he? So yeah, he, he was just there'd be a group of the that. front, the Kiddo, and then there'd yeah. be a group of the back with me and Pally, <laughs> <laughs> Scalzi, Brucey, Chucky, Brucey, yeah, and the goalkeeper possibly, yeah, yeah. Um, and the injured players. Yeah, yeah. Then up front you'd have Bex, Giggsy, who'd be like walking on thin air. You wouldn't yeah. even didn't seem like the feet would touch the ground. They'd be round there like twice as quick as we would. Uh, it made you sick to the. Uh, to the high heavens, but um, yeah, it was the, the, the pre-season. I mean, it was the only part about f- professional football that I didn't really yeah, like. Was ten the days without the ball. Yeah, ten days without the ball, yeah. and then, well, well, no, you say without the ball, the you get the cliff, yeah. and then you came up came here to do the run. and you knew you were going to get run into the ground, and you'd go back, and then you'd just go home and sleep because you were that knackered. So yeah, uh, it was what, two to three weeks of the running, wasn't it? And it was yeah, not not a nice time. Does it bother you that any time anybody talks about pre-season, you're always the one that's infamous for not liking <laughs> training? <laughs> Uh, no, because it, yeah, listen, if it was sprint stuff, I was all right with the sprints. I, I always, okay you know, I mean, I could win the sprints. That I mean, no problem. I always said I would never run again. So when I, once I retired, I would never run this again. I would never thing. see that wall and try to get over it. There's no, no, 
idea yeah. of wanting to do that ever again. People to run marathons and all that, and I just say, why? No. You know? Um, no. But yeah, walking, walking, a nice leisurely walk, a bit of exercise. You like a walk or a sprint and nothing in between? Well, yeah, exactly. Pub to pub. Should we have a little look inside? Pub to pub's Pub to pub's perfect. Let's have a little look inside, give us a little tour guide. Yeah, I only, I only remember this, this part of the, the building from being an apprentice of Blackburn, playing against United. This is where we used to play, so. Right, are we walking in? Pally doesn't remember anything. I, I, I can't remember anything. The only thing I remember about inside this building was when we go through the shower area, the showers used to be heavenly, but we very rarely got showered here because, we, as we said, we were always back on the... Uh, we are always back in the cars, going back and getting showered at the cliff. I think this got a spruce up in 1996 or something. <laughs> Does this bring back any the memories? Showers, the showers were different. Um, These are toilets. That's not, the showers are back around there, aren't they? See, you do remember, uh, Pally. Yeah. It's all there. Only because I walked in earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but they used to have, the, the, you know, the, the massive rose-headed showers, and they, they were just, oh, you just didn't want to get out of them. Because it was, Brian McClare nicknamed Little and Road the, the frozen tundra, because it's open to the elements. It was always freezing cold here. The wind would be blowing right through it. So the, the, the tundra was a decent kind of... Uh, you know, way to describe this place. Yeah. But yeah, the, that's all I remember in here really was the showers and how good the showers were. I can't remember the baths or anything like that because very rarely we came in here. Good memory of the showers, Maisie? No. <laughs> no. As, as Pally said, I, I can't remember. I can't remember it, mate. Maybe a little bit. See, we'd never get in them baths. But I can't remember. I, yeah, I can't remember. I don't think we ever got in the baths. No. What that's, was the reason for, sure. for always going back to the cliff to get... That's where we all changed. changed. Um, Why not just come here and get ready? Why, what was the reason? Was there other people training here at the well, time? That, well, that's where, that's where everyone had dinner and yeah. food and yeah. breakfast and everything like that. So it was just a norm. I mean, it would have made sense to maybe get changed here because the facilities are all here and the, and uh, yeah, and the showers true. are everything. But yeah. um, I, don't, I don't really know why we chose mm. to, to do that. But, yeah, that's the way it was. The history of the cliff. That could be yours and Bruce's bath, that. Big old Bruce's. Bath. <laughs> Shall we have a, another little look and see what else is about? You don't really want to say happy memories here because you just remember pain. I just remember pain. And pain. Yeah, pain. And my first training session, obviously, my first first training session was you know that was that was the first day I trained with Brian Robson and Mark Hughes, Brian McClare, Jim Layton, Neil Webb. Uh, Mickey Phelan with uh, just arrived at the club. You don't need to go through all of them, Pally. <laughs> and what was it like when you first when you first came and trained with all those guys? Uh, nerve wracking. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's surreal, really. I mean, you never expected to play for Manchester United or sign for Manchester United, and and there all of a sudden you're you're in your first training session. Alex Ferguson, Alex Ferguson, as he was known back then, is taking it. Archie Knox was the coach. Uh, he decided to nickname me Cash. Uh, on my first day of training, right. uh, because I was a record signing, a British record signing, so he, he decided to nickname me Cash, which kind of stuck with me for a little bit. And uh, yeah, that was that. Yeah, didn't Cash. like that one. Yeah, that soon changed, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> don't give a door a bang. <laughs> Deepest pockets oh, ever. Again, no, Maisie. Huh? That, that's, that's my room partner talking. Shortest arms, longest pockets. Uh, yeah. We're back in sort of the reception now. We've just walked through a corridor that was full of photos of former United glories, players lifting trophies. I mean, out now next to us is Eric Cantona with a Premier League trophy. Do you remember that one? That's the first um, one, Matt. Yeah. Is that the first? I think it is the first one, isn't it? It was with the old uh, the laces on the shirt. Yeah. Because um, we had the one that was a tribute to the, the Newton Heath. That was, same, was it the same colours, the, the, the green and yellow one? Was the away strip that year? 
so on. There's all right. Yeah. I've not seen a picture of you yet. There used to be. A, I think no. it was, was it a there's pool not, table. There's was not a, a pool table or a snooker table at BB4. There's, I can see two football tables and a table tennis table. Mm. Walk down and have a look. I've got a feeling there was a pool table or something up here before. I like it would be here. I might be wrong. It's all superstars up here. <coughs> Ronaldo, Giggsy, Eric, Scalzi. There's none of me and you up here, Maisie. No. No. <laughs> We've been airbrushed out of history. Four. I've seen about Air, four. Airbrushed out of history we have. <laughs> so what was this room oh, We might have been in then? the crowd over there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you are. What was um, this massive room used for here? Is this just canteen. where Sir Alex used to I guess to it must have been. Spy? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, but Some kind of... Canteen. canteen and, and restroom or... Well, there's or a little whatever. balcony there, so this is where the under... I think the academy used this a lot then. Under-18s would have played the apprentices on here as well. Because yeah. I used to play it and I remember coming up here. Is this where the manager would watch from or would he be down with you? I've seen a picture of uh, a, a pre-season where you're out running, the two of you are there, so Alex is in a pair of shorts running along and then just a yeah, who's who yeah. of... No, he used to join in a little bit. He used to join in the, in the box as well, didn't he? Yeah. Um, well, he was there. Which we, <laughs> well, amazing. I, I hope the gaffer sees this. I tell you, because <laughs> you'll be getting a slap when he sees you. Um, was he a good runner, what manager? Back in that picture, would probably beat me. Yeah. Um, but I always another thing I remember about here is I think that's a pathway along there, and you'd get kids from the local schools. If a ball got knocked over there, one of the kids would jump over the fence, grab the ball, and run off with it. And, and the gaffer would like shout at the young kids to chase after him. <laughs> so there'd be, there'd be kids biking down there, and the kids, our, our kids from the academy, be sprinting, sprinting down there after him to try and retrieve the ball. But that, that happened on numerous occasions that we trained here. I've also heard a story about occasionally, <clears throat> sometimes Sir Alex would join in at training. Yeah, he joined in the boxes, which yeah. was just like the warm-up thing where you have maybe six against two, seven against two. You, you just try to keep the ball away from the two in the middle. If you lose the ball, you you play a bad pass then you'd go in so he used to join in that in the in the early days he got hit by a ball once though didn't he no I don't know anything about that you anything about that wasn't me that's that memory loss again you got I think Polly got hit by a ball no yeah. I'm not going to talk it. about that one uh, but he did yeah he took one flush in the face one, one morning and um I won't, uh, yeah, I'm not going to tell you what the, the fallout of all that was. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, I think the gaffer probably remembers it as well. Yeah. So although you maybe didn't enjoy pre-season training, do you, did you feel the benefit of it? Yeah, I think it was always, I think it was always important <laughs> to have a pre-season. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think if you missed out on a pre-season, I remember missing out one uh, when up, I first started suffering be with my back problems. You, you feel as though you're always playing catch-up after that. You played on I, that a lot though, your back, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I used to, used to any, miss a lot of training sessions after that. No, well, actually the beauty of, well, not the beauty, one of the, 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 the things of having my back problem was, I think it was, I started getting it in 95, 96. I went and they, dis they discovered that I had a, a bulging disc and they said uh, one, one of the things we don't want you doing is any, any long distance running in training. <laughs> so, is that what they said? So that 2,200 metre warm up, I didn't yeah. have to do that was anymore. There which was, like, was there a witness to, uh, heard to what the doctor say said? Yeah, no, I, I just doctored <laughs> the certificate to be quite honest with you. But uh, yeah, after that I used to just sit and watch that. I used to do a few uh, sit-ups down here and just watched and smirk at the lads as they were running around the, running around the pitch. So. Obviously nowadays, most teams go away for warm weather training, don't they, for their um Yeah, we went to Marbella a couple of times, didn't we? Are we yeah, well, that, yeah, that was more... More drinking. During, during <laughs> the season, wasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we'd go away and we'd have a, we'd have a bit of a, a, a social and uh, I think two or three times, I think we went away to Spain. 
you know, you'd have, a, you'd have a break, you'd do a little bit of warm weather training, you'd also have a little bit, you know, the gaffer would give you a, uh, a night out to socialise and just have a, have a bit of crack. Bit of team bonding. Mm-hmm. Alan, yeah, so, um, yeah, it was good fun. What was Maisie like as a trainer? The ultimate professional. Not the, word, not the words I was looking for. Right. Um, <laughs> as you said, Maisie well, was, gen- Maisie was generally with back. me at the back of the queue. It if I remember it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we just had to head the ball. It was pretty easy, our, yeah. our remit. Was wasn't there it? a difference back then in the way the defenders got trained and the forwards? Um, not really. Not really, no, it? no. I mean, it, it, everyone no. just ran it. it was, just you ran. didn't have a defensive coach or an attacking yeah. coach. It would just be. I mean, you. Generally, sometimes you may get taken away as a, as a defensive back four or five, five and, yeah. and work on a little bit of defending or whatever. But generally, everybody was involved in the in the training. We yeah. o- you only had a specialist goalkeeping coach, and then and, and kiddo yeah. would take mm-hmm. would take all the training, overseen by by the gaffer as well. So you, nothing like you you have today, because obviously there's a lot more money in the game. Did anybody at training stand out as being just phenomenal? I mean, obviously, everybody you oh, played man, with. I, play, I was going to say. I mean, where do you where do you stop? You yeah. know what I mean? When I first got here, Ryan Robson was was still captain of England, captain of Manchester United, and a guy I'd watched as a kid playing football, and and just thought, wow, what a player this guy is. And then all of a sudden, you're on a on a training park with him, albeit he was 31, 32. Uh, he was still unbelievable. Mark Hughes had come back to the club. He he was a fantastic great player legend here Ryan McClare was, was was scoring goals for fun so yeah they, they stood out and then later on and you had the, the likes of Roy Keane came to the club then you watch Scorsi and, and, and Becks come through with it with you could see the talent they had at a, at a very early age they stood out so yeah you, you, you kind of sometimes felt that you didn't belong <laughs> in that kind of company you know but um, yeah they, they were exceptional kind of players didn't say David May. Because <coughs> um, oh, we were at the back. We were, yeah. Right, we, yeah. We, just, we just hoofed it and edited it. You know what I mean? It was a pretty, as I say, a pretty simple. Yeah, we were just told to it. give them the ball. That was yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, you get the ball. Yeah, I, mean, I always then. remember Robbo right, saying then. to me, it "Doesn't matter where I am on the pitch. Give, if I'm asking for the ball, give me the ball." He said, "If I lose the ball, that's my problem. If I'm asking for the ball, give me the ball." Pretty easy, then, yeah, isn't it? Of course, it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Should we go sit down? Good play. Yeah. Good players make it easier. Yeah. So we've all taken a seat. We are inside the canteen now. Behind us is the pitch we were looking at earlier. In front of us is a sort of a canteen hatch, but that's not of any interest to any of us. What we want to talk about is Gary Pallister. Gary, <laughs> can you tell us about your early life, your early memories and growing up in Middlesbrough? Oh, well, well first of all, I wasn't born in the Middlesbrough area. I was, I was born in Ramsgate in Kent. Yes, all the great ones are from where, Kent. Uh, <laughs> that's where uh, my dad was working down on a contract and my mother joined him down there and that's where I decided to enter the world. And at the grand old age of six months, my parents went back up north and moved into a house in Stockton, not far away from Middlesbrough. And that's where I, uh, I spent the next uh, 23 and a half years of my life. From a very young age, I can just remember kicking a football about. I can remember my father at my, my nana's house uh, in this little kind of pathway between the two houses was getting me to trap a ball. And that's one of my earliest kind of memories of football. And then junior school, I was a centre forward. always a centre forward until the age of, of 15. But yeah, I just enjoyed sport really all the way through my school and life. I played cricket, I played basketball. I uh, did athletics and I played football. The other three sports I was probably deemed to be better at than football back in my early years. Couldn't make any kind of district honours at football. I 
but yeah, I played basketball for the district, uh, the county. I was asked for northeast trials. Was you always tall as a kid then? Yeah, I, well, I was I was tall until I, I was always about, tall. Think, and then by the time I kind of got to the third year at senior school, what we called it. Uh, what did you say? I'm saying because you're tall, you've always got a chance at basketball. Oh, yeah, that, but yeah, but that, if you're yeah, I didn't one. used to like playing the centre where it was just the big lump who would just jump up for rebounds. I like to uh, play. You'd be the player on the side trying to put the balls Michael into Jordan. downtown. So basically, so, it wasn't that you were good; it was just that you were tall, Maisie Sam. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a bit like football. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, it's just like rooming with him again. You know what I mean? He never shuts up, does he? <laughs> um, but no, yeah. I mean, it, it was weird. I was. I mean. The team I played in at school, we won. We won the the five years I was at senior school. We won the league every year, and yeah, and I was be leading school. Yeah, I couldn't get any honours for the district or the county or anything like that. So. Maybe that's because you were playing centre forward. Because I was, well, maybe <laughs> as I later found out, I wasn't very good as being a centre forward. But no, my 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 path changed at age fifteen. What happened is we were playing a, a team. And I actually just live around the corner now from where this actually happened. We were playing a team that had predominantly been a rugby school. They decided in our last year of senior schools that they were going to take up football as well. So everybody was playing this team and they were beating them 9-0. And at 9-0 the game got stopped because you couldn't embarrass the team any further. You didn't want to get double figures and the game would be stopped and it would be just registered at 9-0. So we were going there and expected to score nine in the first half because they were obviously awful and we were the, the champions so we turn up for this game we're chatting away before we play the game and I was sent a half that day had been out to an all night skating marathon so he's turned up with the game with bags under his eyes could hardly open his eyes and he's falling asleep by the side of the, the oh, in the changing rooms like you know so we're like looking at him thinking oh dear god anyway we go out and play the game we go 1-0 up the equaliser we go 2-1 up the equaliser we go 3-2 up the equaliser our manager just had a hissy fit. A guy called Malcolm Danby. He just told the centre half to get off the pitch. He said, Pallister, you're playing centre half. And I was like, I don't want to play. Went, you're playing centre half. So I moved back there. He was that mad he forgot to put the sub on. <laughs> uh, we had to say, excuse me, sir, we haven't put the substitute on. So he put the sub on. We went on and won the game 9-3 and the game got stopped. And uh, I thought, right, that's over with. I can go back to being Not a centre forward. I'm thinking yeah. I would have scored six goals in that game, and you know what I mean, I'd have been chuffed to bits. So anyway, we go, we go back, and the next week we're playing the team that was always closest to us in the league. He pulls me aside because he used to teach me history as well, and he pulled me aside after the lesson. He said, right, we're playing. Uh, I think it was Egglescliff the next day, uh, and he said, right, he said, I want you to play centre half again, and I went, no. <laughs> I said no. I said I, I said I done it, done it once, uh, and I, you know what I mean. I, I don't, I, I don't want to play centre half. He went, listen. He said if we beat these, he said, you know what I mean. We're going to win the league again. He said I really want you to just play this one game, and uh, if we win that, then you know what I mean. We'll, we'll be fine. So begrudgingly, I went, yeah, okay. Uh, so we played, uh, we played the game the next day. We won whatever we I can't remember the score, but we won the game. And that was me, I stayed centre-half. But that was the changing point. That, it was, that was a different incredible. game, playing with your back to play as it is yeah. seeing the game in front of you. And uh, he decided I'd be a better player doing that. And, you know, so the rest of the day is history. This at school and your friend who'd been on an all-night... All-night skating marathon. He'd been, at, uh, yeah, he'd been skating for all the way through the night. Uh, and he just turned up and what he was... What kind of skating? He was what do you mean? Just, just skating around the ice rink. 
What? An ice skating. Uh, Billingham Forum, it's called, where Billingham Bombers play. Um, is this uh, what you did team. in your... Uh, uh, no, not me particularly, <laughs> no. I, I can't say, but this is what he thought was a good idea. But listen, you have a lot to owe him now. Well, exactly. Yeah. Ian Watson, if he's watching. He's all down to you, mate, for going to that skate. But it <laughs> might never have changed. I, might, I mean, if it hadn't, that hadn't happened, I think I would have stayed a centre-forward mm-hmm. and, and, and maybe played district football. It just changed the whole... The whole outlook for me, really. Because that was that was for school, right? That was I was fifteen. Yeah, it was. My, I was in my last year at um, at school. So then, when you played, I guess you played like club football, and you would have gone to trials and stuff. And no, what? Never, never. I was. That's what I'm saying. I, but, I couldn't get anywhere you, near district playing district football or county football. But afterwards, after so after, after that, at, uh, no, I, I left. I left. Uh, I left school at sixteen. The guy I'm talking about, Malcolm Danby, got me into a, a, a local club called Stockton Town. I went and played there for a year, and um, we weren't very good. Was this after leaving school? This is after leaving school. So you school. left school and did what? Left school, and I went to college for right. a year to try and reset me all levels that yeah. I'd failed so miserably the so first you went time round. So, so I went to college and just messed about around there. And uh, then you played for this team? Just I played for a team called Stockton, Stockton Town. Uh, juniors. I also played for the college team. There's a funny story about that. The first, the first game I played for the college team, we got beat three 0 and the manager dropped me. <laughs> he put me in the seconds. So I was playing second team football at college. I had an argument with the manager, told him to mack yeah. off, and uh, I got dropped to the third team, where I actually played in goal for a few games. <laughs> so it was all kind of going around. Island. But away from that, I was playing for this team called Stockton Town, and. And one of the sides I was playing against who were very successful was a team called Billingham Town. During the summer break the following year, he turned up in my house and said, look, you know, we watched you for Stockton Town, we'd like you to join Billingham Town. And I was like, mm, yeah, I don't really know whether I have not supported Billingham Town. Um, I'm not sure. I don't want to just go behind their backs. Anyway, they folded in that, in that summer. So next minute I signed for Billingham Town. So I'm like 17 going on 18 and it's under 18 football. Went and played for Billingham Town. We were reasonably successful. Got to a lot of cup finals. I think we finished second in the in the league. And they also had a, a senior side that played in the what's called the Northern League, which is the probably the best league in Northern England. Back then, I played a few games in the first team, and then when I finished the under 18s, they asked me if I wanted to be the you know the, the starting centre half the next season for the senior side. So that was really the start of me being a centre-half and me starting to make inroads into the... I mean, I still always had that dream of being a professional footballer. I don't know why, because there was a lot of hurdles that I, I kind of had to try and overcome. Had that team not folded? I would have probably went back to Stockton Town and, and probably, probably been well. average again or whatever. But, yeah. but bearing in mind, that's what I'm saying, at 15, you know, I just started to learn to be a centre-half. Mm. And, it, you know what I mean, you've gone away from being a centre-forward. It's a different aspect of the game yeah. altogether to, to, to being that, to all of a sudden being a defender and trying to stop people rather than yeah. creating space. And I think that's why I enjoyed trying to bring the ball out from the back. Yeah. I, you know, one of the guys I admired, unfortunately, for a lot of Manchester United fans, was Alan Hansen. So when I became a centre-half, I looked at him, I thought, wow, that, he, he's playing the game, he's expressing himself, and, and that, that was fantastic to watch. So, yeah, 18 then, joined the, joined the, the first team in, in um, senior football, and I think that's when I think a, a few clubs started to, to notice me, because that, I think, towards the middle of that season, I just remember being around a guy knocked on my door, 
and uh, introduced himself as a guy called Jimmy Mann. He said, look, I'm a, I'm a scout for Grimsby. He said, we've been watching you and we'd like you to come down for a trial. And I was like, OK. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know what I mean? I was gobsmacked because it was the first time I'd ever had any interest from a, from a pro- and that was professional 18? football club. And that was at, at 18. Were you still playing cricket and stuff? I was still playing cricket. And I was still playing basketball. Level. I was playing cricket, good level of, of, of cricket. I was a, I, I used to say fast bowler, but looking at the way the ball now, I, I'd, I'd have been a very slow, medium pace bowler. <laughs> had a little bit of swing, could chip it in both ways and, and uh, had a little bit of success at that. Basketball, just as I actually, later on as I signed for Middlesbrough, I was asked to, asked to go and play for a team called the Mohawks that were kind of semi-professional in the area or have a trial with them. At that time, uh, I think I'd, I'd, I'd just joined Middlesbrough. But going going back to the Grimsby thing, I went down and I always remember Jimmy Mann picking me up. He says, oh, we've just got to go and pick up a, another kid before we go down to Grimsby. He's having a trial as well. So we went up to near where Middlesbrough trained and we picked up Peter Beagree. And uh, we both jumped in the car and we went down had a trial for Grimsby. I gave away a penalty after five minutes. Um... <laughs> But it, it kind of went all right after that. I thought, you know, Beegs had a great game. They invited Beegs back. And uh, anyway, I got back to Billingham Town. They said, look, they want you to go back down, have, a, have another trial game. We were involved in, I don't know, four or five cup finals at that time. And Billingham Town stopped me going back. So I didn't know how to take it, really. I thought, well, I'll just come back in and uh, we'll take it from there. The following season, I was 18, going on 19. And early on in that season, which was my second season for Billingham Town Seniors uh, Middlesbrough asked me to come down on a trail How did that feel? That's your boyhood club that, right? it was, yeah, I was a Leeds United fan as a kid oh, wait, which, oh, yeah, 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 yeah I don't like to talk about it No, I was a Leeds United stroke Middlesbrough fan I would say probably Leeds back then was, was my favourite team But Where did that come from? Uh, my mum my mum was a big big Leeds fan for what, again for whatever reason I think it was the, the Revy team uh, back in the, in the 70s was a successful side and and uh, my mum, for whatever reason, followed him. And uh, I just kind of picked up that mantle. But I went to all the Borough home games. Uh, my uncle was a, a massive fan. And I love football. I supported Middlesbrough as well, if you like. So went and watched them from, I think, about the age of seven. I think it was my first game at the old Ayrson Park. But yeah, to, 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 get, to get asked for a trial was like, wow, you know, this, this, this would be the perfect scenario now. And it was a guy called Willie Madron. Uh, who was in charge of the, the reserves that night and I went along and I think there was about six trialists in the team I can't remember who we were playing uh, Malcolm Allison was the manager of, of the football club so we kicked off the game funnily enough I gave away a penalty after about three <laughs> minutes of that one so it wasn't an auspicious start um, which I did on my here. debut for Manchester United, United by the way yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a bit of a theme running through this now. just nerves um, normally people score no, I was just a bit clumsy I think <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah so I went and played this trial game and I always remember Malcolm Allison came in about 15 minutes after the game started because everybody was you know as you could see the thing rumbling in the, in the terrace and all that and he walked in and he left about 15 minutes before the end of the first half so I thought I obviously haven't impressed and we went back in I didn't play particularly well in a game and I always remember sitting there and Willie Madron came over put his arm around me and just said listen big man he said I've seen enough there tonight to warrant to keep an eye on you. He said, you need to toughen up a little bit. You need, you know, you probably need full-time training, but go back to the Northern League, play your football there and, you know, we'll keep an eye on you. And I thought it was just a case of him being nice, letting me down gently and and uh, that, that was going to be the end of it sort of thing. 
next game. You fast forward another year, and um, William Madron became manager, and he invited me back on a on, a, on another trail. Uh, I went back. I impressed. I was on the rock and roll at the time, so I had nothing else better to do. And um, he said, "Look, yeah, we're happy with what we're seeing. We want you to come down and spend three months." on trial with us now. We'll give you expenses and what have you. We'll, we'll have a proper look at you. So that, that was basically how it started. This is a genuinely extraordinary story. <laughs> I think if you're listening and you're 17 um, and maybe you don't play for your school first team or the second team, maybe you're being forced to play in goal for <laughs> maybe the Maybe you're playing in goal for your... Uh, yeah, yeah, and giving yeah, away penalties. You, you might penalties, just yeah. become the most it's expensive signing in British football just yet and play for Manchester United. <laughs> How yeah, has this happened? It's, it's a different... It's a different um, Do you ever see many anybody too. from that era? Because presumably, at the time, nobody saw where your career was heading. No. No, and, and oh, no, I, I still meet people. kids at school and they go, I was a better footballer than you. <laughs> yeah, you probably were. Yeah. Oh, you probably thought you were or whatever. But yeah, I, I, listen, I mean, it, if I had played at Hartlepool all my life, I set a goal. I always thought I had something in me. Do you know what I mean? So I never took, I, I, I rolled with the knockbacks, if you like. And I always said, if I had played for Hartlepool or Downton or, you know what I mean? As long as I made it a professional, I'd have achieved my goal. So I would have been happy to do that. But it kind of, you know, the Middlesbrough thing snowballed. Um, we went through the liquidation at Middlesbrough in 1986, where the club nearly folded. It was saved at the 11th hour. I got picked to play for England uh, when I was 22, and I was still playing in the second division with Middlesbrough. And then... The the stories of Liverpool and Manchester United being interested started to surface. How'd that make you and feel? it was kind of... I, I struggled to, to, to deal with it. I think it, it affected my form for Middlesbrough because you, once you sort of get that, you start feeling as though you've got to try and prove that every game that you, you, you've got. Because they started saying, well, this kid can... This lad can play a bit, you know, he's not afraid to bring the ball out from the back. And then he used to, it's a bit like John Stone's going through. People put him in that bracket and said, oh, what a centre-half, he, he, he's so cool and calm. Then he, he wants to do it every time he gets on the ball. And, and attackers know that. And they kind of set traps for him, if you like. They know he's going to try and be a little bit clever. And I think I went through a little bit of that at Middlesbrough. I started thinking I was Alan Anson or Franz Beckenbauer or whatever, getting caught on the ball and, and getting punished in my form probably dipped then and you and you have to go through that process and then you try you, you try and come out you learn you know I mean you, you, as I say you roll with the knockbacks and hopefully come out strong with the other side so what happened with the move to Manchester United then because we do have a cameraman um, in the room who was a Middlesbrough fan growing up he used to get some autographs wait for autographs and he asked you was it true that you were going to go to Man United and you patted him on the head I and know, said, no, I said don't, don't worry son I'm, I'm a steer <laughs> but you did go but I couldn't I, yeah, no, obviously I was a liar um, no um, I, listen it, it, we, we, we went on an unbelievable run from Middlesbrough from the liquidation we'd been relegated to the third division my mentor, Willie Madrin, had been sacked. Bruce Rioc came in, who was a fantastic coach, but I didn't get on particularly well with him as a manager. I was, quite, I was enjoying the time because we'd been successful. We went straight from the third to the second, second to the first, and then we got relegated. I'd say my relationship with Bruce Rioc had broke down. You know, I was no longer being selected for England because you know, we, we were struggling in the Premier League. And I went away that summer abroad and thought, right, I need to think this through. What do I need to do? I wasn't enjoying my football. I knew it. It probably had to be done for a career move as well. So I employed an agent for the first time and just said, look, I said, uh, you know, I need to I need to move. I need to get out of here. I need to start enjoying my football. I need to do it for a career. 
How old um, thing. I was 20, uh, I was just turning 24. Right. I'd made the decision at the end, of, at the end of May, I think it was, and I was 24 in the June. So I, I hired John Smith from, from First Artists. And uh, he said, right, he said, I'll, I'll see. Because obviously you weren't allowed to, to talk to clubs. I was still under contract. So he said, I'll see what's out there. So it, it was about a week or so, and he came back and he went, uh, right, he said, uh, Kenny Dalglish wants to take it to Liverpool. Liverpool had just won the title. And I was like, wow, yeah, brilliant. Bring it on. So he said, right, we're trying to sort out uh, the whole deal. Needless to say, Middlesbrough weren't very happy, especially Bruce Rioch. There was a lot of lot of problems there. You know, I kept putting in transfer requests. There was a lot of arguments, and and eventually it went to a, a board meeting. And middle, uh, Liverpool made an offer, they rejected it. So my agent phoned me up and he said, "Look, they've knocked it back. Liverpool aren't prepared to go any higher." Do you I don't know what they offered it. I know they were prepared, I think, to go to one, one and a half. How did you feel about the, the prices that were being touted? To, I, to imagine yourself you, with that Yeah, no, I didn't. Because, you know, I, I think Tony Cotty had just gone for, for 2.1 million. And you were talking about a lad who'd only played uh, however many games. And I know I'd played for England and all that, but I'd only had one season in the top flight in the Premier League or the first division as it was back then. And I just thought this is ridiculous. I mean, I think I think I was thinking if you get one and a half million for me, you're doing you're doing really well. But they decided to play hardball anyway. My agent phoned me up. He said, "Look, they're not prepared to go any higher." He said, "I'll see what else is out there." And uh, he phoned me back the next day and he said, um, "How do you fancy Man United?" And, wow, you know what I mean? I went, well, obviously, yeah. Uh, he said, "Right, we're going to try and get a deal sorted." I'd started the season by then with with Middlesbrough. And we were playing Sunderland away, uh, I think it was on a Sunday. I met my agent at Scotch Corner after the game. He says, right, we're meeting at the Tontine Hotel, which was 15, 20-minute uh, car, car ride away from where I lived. I said, right, I'll follow you up in my car. My car, my name splashed all over it, as you did back in the day. <laughs> and uh, my agent was driving in front of me in his big Rolls Royce. And we moved. We came into the car park at uh, the Tontine. I followed him in. My agent said, right, I'll just go in there and check everybody's ear. He walked into the room. Bruce Rayo said, if that box in here, the deal's off. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to sit. I had to sit in the car park. I think it was for something like seven hours. Wow. While, uh, while, uh, while I haggled this deal through. What did you do? Um, did it, I don't know. We right? didn't have mobile phones back then. So it wasn't a lot to do. And my, my, the scenery is a little bit out in the country, on the, mm-hmm. off, just off the year 19. Um, no McDonald's drive throughs No, <laughs> no, no So pretty, pretty much I was bored I just yeah. sat there just kind of twiddling my fingers Hoping for the best And intermittently the gaffer would come out and say Right we've gone up to 1.8 million And they're still saying no We've gone up to 1.8 We've gone up to 2 And they're still saying no Eventually I think it was about Must have been about 3 o'clock in the morning They came out and said right the deal's been done uh, 2.3 he said, you've, you've now got to go up into the restaurant area and, and sort out your, your financial contract sort of thing. So I went up there and uh, I sat down with a gaffer and uh, Morris Watkins and the gaffer went, right, that's what Brian Robson's getting, that's what you're getting. <laughs> I went, OK. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only lately that I found out that Robbo was on a lot more than that, so he, he done me out of a few quid, did the gaffer. But listen, I mean, he had, to, he, had to, he had to get a little bit of money back because, yeah. listen, they were never going to be prepared to pay 2.3, but that's what it took. 
to get me out in Middlesbrough. And that's where the name Cash came from? And that's where the name Cash came from, that Archie Knox so aptly named Did it bother you that it was like a, like a, the, the record that that transfer broke? Because that must come um, with some pressure when you turn I, up. Yeah, yeah it cranked up the pressure. I, I'd love to say no, it didn't, and I, you know what I mean? But I think it did. I mean, they, they, what helped me in a way is that we brought Paul Ince, Danny Wallace, Mickey Phelan and Neil Webbin at the same time. Yeah. Coming through, I think it was seven million, which was a huge amount of money back in that day. Uh, you think Neil Webb was a seasoned international, probably played about 30-odd times for England and was starring for Notts Forest in midfield, one of the best players in the, in the first division. And they, they only had to pay one and a half million for, for Webby. And there's me coming from 2.3. So obviously I was going to be made a bit of a, a target. Yeah. Because because that fee was ridiculous, but as I say, it's what it you know it took the club to pay that money to get me out. So I was grateful for that. But yeah, I mean, it, listen, you know, it was it was my third game, and I think we got beat five one off Manchester City. And um, uh? did you give away a penalty? Yeah, I didn't give away a penalty, but I, I didn't have a great game. As did ten others, and yeah, that, I just remember that the papers in that after that, and obviously being the, the record sign, and you you. You are, getting, uh, yeah. you are getting, you are getting, we were all getting it, but I, because of that, it was like, boom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I always was remember Sir walking Alex back. Then, whenever you were getting <clears> that? He was, he, listen, he was, he was very supportive back then, because I didn't know about the hairdryers back then. So he was trying to, yeah, but no, he, he was great. He was saying, look, forget about, it wasn't just to me. You know what I mean? You know, Incy was, in, we were all kind of struggling. Incy, Danny, this was a, a whole new team put together. He said, listen, forget about, all the outside info, what they're saying, this is about this, this is about this inner sanctum, this is about who we are, this is where it ends, this is where, this is all you've got to answer to is your teammates, me, the staff, and forget about the rest of the nonsense that's written because, you know, it wasn't long after that you started getting the, you know, the, I remember Fergie out banners in Old Trafford and, and people calling for his head, the papers calling for his head. It's like um, it was a player. Yeah, because you're part of that. You're part of the reason why that's happening. The manager had put the faith in me to pay that money to, to bring me to the club and, and it wasn't going great. Yeah, you feel responsible. You know, you, 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 you're wondering why with the players that we, we brought in, you know what I mean, and with, mixed with the players that we already had, why we, were, why we kind of struggled in that first season. Because we went to Millwall, I think in something like the early March, and if we'd have got beat, I think we'd have went into the bottom three the first division which wow. is incredible to think of you yeah. think that's how that's how that's where we were back then and uh, I think I remember going 1-0 down in that game and we're thinking dear God uh, and I think Sparky scored two goals we won the game 2-1 lifted us a few points away from the uh, the relegation zone and we finished up about mid-table I think it was so we finished alright but then we had that we had a terrific FA Cup run and got it to the, the final against Crystal Palace in in 1990. And it yeah. ended up being a great season for you. You were named Sir Matt Busby Player of the Year. It was, yeah. Not a lot of people remember that because they're the unauspicious <laughs> start. And uh, because I did, as I say, give away a penalty. We got beat 2 in my first game at home to Norwich. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because it, I have people saying, oh, it took you a couple of seasons to settle in at Man United. And I went, oh, really? Um, I said, oh, maybe I mean, didn't have the best But I got, yeah, I got, I got, that, was the, that was the fans' war. So that was, that was great. I mean, that, that was a huge fillip for me yeah. to, to get an award like that off the fans because, you know what I mean, after that Norwich game, I think somebody had said to my mate as I was walking, I was walking with Slav, Bernie Slaven, who was my pal from Middlesbrough, he came to watch my debut. As I was walking back to the car park, some fan shouted over, oi, Slaven, I hope he kept the f***ing receipt for Palestine. <laughs> 
But, uh, good confidence booster. Do you know what I mean? I thought, you know, again, it's, it's that black humour, isn't it? It's kind of like, oh, but it's quite funny, you know? So, yeah, to get that at the end, it was, was great for, as a personal thing because I knew it had, been a, it had been a tough start. It had been a tough start for all the lads coming in that, that year. But that FA Cup win was really the start of, of United and the, and the prelude to, the, to winning the Premiership and... Cup Winners Cup and, and, and everything that, that went along with that. When did you feel the partnership with Steve Bruce really formed? Well, not immediately because the first time I played with Bruce, I, I was used to playing quite deep with, with Tony Mowbray at, at Middlesbrough. We would kind of drop off and let the, let the teams play in front of us because Morgan didn't have great pace, but he was a proper, he was a bit like Brucey, a proper leader of men, captain the team. So we used to try and uh, negate that threat behind and, 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 and sit a bit deeper. And I came here, and all of a sudden, Brucey felt that Brucey would be going up like Tony Adams with his hand up in the air, and I'd be dropping 10 yards behind him, and it looked ridiculous, you know what I mean? So we think, right, you've got... So we ended up having to get onto the, onto the pitch, and, and, and I had to adapt to, to the way Manchester United played, which was, was, was trying to push up, keep a high line, and, and, and do it that way. So it, it took a wee bit of time, and Brucey, I think, was, was injured in, in a few of the early games. But I'd met Brucey a couple of years earlier, a guy called Kenny Wharton's testimonial at Newcastle. And I remember sitting in the dressing room with him and he was waxing lyrical about Manchester United and how great it was. And we had a really good chat. You know, I mean, I'd gotten really well with him then. So when I came in the dressing room, that was easy to have that conversation. I'd met, um, obviously, Rob Waugh uh, through playing at England level as well. So that gave me a little, that, that was kind of two, two guys I kind of migrated to, I guess, because I felt comfortable with. So, yeah, we got on great off the pitch. We socialised uh, a lot with, uh, um, with Steve and Janet. Me and my missus used to go out and have the odd Chinese. And I think Bruce is oh. having a few more since then. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it, yeah, I just got on great with him. I think, again, probably being a northeastern lad, I think, again, that probably helped us migrate towards each other. But, we, yeah, it became... And I think we were both lucky, in, and after that early part, we were very rarely injured. Um, so we played game after game after game. You didn't get rested back then. It was just you were fit, you played. And uh, we just, you know, we, 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 it just became natural. Obviously, then we had Dennis came to the club a year after I arrived. Probably played it right back earlier on because we had Parks came into the, into the side as well. He played right back for, for two or three seasons. Eventually, we added Peter Schmeichel to that as well. So it became a very, you know what I mean, that, that side, very that, that back five, very rarely missed the game. Did it ever become intimidating or overwhelming to look around at the players you were with, considering your route to get to Manchester United, where yeah. some of those players would have played with <clears throat> yeah. from academies with top pros and stuff? Yeah, I said when I, when I walked out in that first training session, you had Brian Robson, Brian McClare, Mark Hughes, Jim Layton. These are all big names in, in, in the football uh, footballing world. And it was kind of... You're full of self-doubt, I think, when you arrive here because it's a massive step, isn't it? You know, what I mean, yeah. you played at Blackburn, I played at Middlesbrough, yeah. similar type of clubs, mm-hmm. um, similar type of histories. But you walk through the doors here, and it's like, oh my god, am I good enough to play here? Am I really in this this kind of company? Yeah. Can I can I punch my own weight with the, with these kind of players? And I think you are filled with that kind of self-doubt. I don't think anybody can get away from that unless you're extremely confident, but. I think most players, I, th- I think what you see when they walk through the doors here in the first training sessions, I think their eyes are wide open, like, yeah. wow. Hi, John, just after you've done the double. 
against uh, 95 yeah 94 95, 95. 94 was it against we done it. you beat Chelsea 4 Ch- yeah yeah and Nicole, I joined yeah. the next year and I remember uh, walking to that dressing room thinking <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and Robbo uh, had just left I mean I'd love to have played with Robbo yeah um, <clears throat> but even then you look around that dressing room yourself Brucey who was fantastic I remember walking in that first day and the first thing out of your mouth welcome to the club big man enjoy it it's a great club and yeah. I never ever forget those words and Brucey was exactly the same and then you look further around Big Pete Eric Ince Sparky Giggsy yeah. and you're like yeah. oh my god <laughs> oh my god it, it was, like, it, you, you kind of you, you do have self doubt don't you you kind of yeah. you know what I mean you, you think you'd be obviously delighted that you've been asked to play for this club but you walk in there and you're kind of going Right, can I can I really yeah. cut it with these guys? Am I going to get found out? Am I not the player I think I am? You know what I mean? It is full of self doubt, but you know, you, you eventually you come the to turn. There's the top, though, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think you've got to have that kind of. Yeah, I think that's that what edge, also makes that, that, a really good dressing room as well. To to know that new players are coming in and you're you're welcomed, open armed, and yeah. you know it's that love of that that dressing room that you take onto the pitch week in week out. That if somebody kicks you, you know that you're going to get. They're going to yeah, get, yeah. get booted as well. Oh yeah, and I think that's yeah. that togetherness is so so much important when you're yeah. in a team. Yeah, well, uh, team. yeah, I remember. I mean, Rob was brilliant at that. I, yeah. I remember a game down at um, was it Coventry and Dave. Remember Dave Speedy? Yeah, <laughs> he was angry, angry, angry man, Dave Speedy, yeah. and uh, he was playing for Coventry. He come across me and he cut me, mm-hmm. elbowed me, cut me. I'm on the floor, I'm going like, who, who, who the hell's that? And Robert's going, doesn't matter. I'm going, no, I said, who's, who's, he went, doesn't matter. He said, I'll sort it out. <laughs> and I went, okay. <laughs> so literally about five minutes later, um, we get a corner and Robbo's going, and I'm staying back because I'm still bleeding. The ball gets headed out and it's a 60-40 in Robbo's favour. And he takes a step back. Slows down. <laughs> and he makes it a 50-50. And he hit the speedy in the chest. And I swear he would have got a 10-game ban for this right now, right? And he gets stretched off, Dave Speedy. The referee books him. <laughs> Even Robo back in the day thought, well, that's a straight red. Yeah. And he, he only, because he was captain fantastic, captain of England, captain of Man United, and he booked him. And he just, because he, he, he kicked a few of the young lads that day, I think Lee Martin was playing and Sharpie, and he, and he, he, he went and whacked a few, did Dave. He just ran back to me after he after he got stretched off and just winked at me and just said, "I told you I saw that big man." <laughs> I, was like, I guess it was him then, was it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that you had each other's backs. Yeah. I mean, there, there was some. I mean, some fierce, fierce characters in that dressing room, wasn't yeah. there? When you look at Sparky, you know, you trained with Sparky. We used to. Yeah. You were talking earlier on about the boxers. We used to call him the strimmer because strimmer? He, the strimmer yeah. because he would cut your feet away from you. And if you if you started taking a yeah. mickey out with Sparky, he'd just go and smash you. And you'd be like, Sparky, calm down. Why are you yeah. so angry? Yeah. He said, if you played in the boxes at Barcelona like I did with the players that they had, you were in that box for a long time. Because <laughs> 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 he just couldn't get the ball yeah. off him. So he said he used to just end up going around kicking him. And that's exactly what he did here. But then you had, you know, Eric was a tough lad. Robbo was at Inti. Keeney was here. You had a lot. Of, you, you had probably about five or six players in that side that would have been captains in any other team mm-hmm. and I think that's something that's I think that's something that's missing from from a lot of the modern day football now you don't have them leaders, real kind yeah. of leaders inside. did you ever have any moments when you became the more senior pro where maybe one of the younger players has been has has been hit by someone and you've had that Brian Robson moment where you've gone and gone 
I'll take care of this. Um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a natural. Brucey would have probably done that, or maybe, maybe you liked a, a bit of a smash and a, we and a, had a, podcast and a tackle. Yet. He's not unless it was about kicking people. <laughs> <laughs> unless it was Duncan Ferguson, then we kind of both left him alone, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, you have it, <laughs> yeah. Palace, you have uh, but yeah, no. Um, no, I mean, to be fair, I mean, I I always remember a, a game at Chelsea when when Butty and Scores he were playing in midfield, and Dennis Wise was up to his old tricks. Yeah. Butty and Scholes, he kicked the crap out of Dennis Wise. And I thought, well, these guys don't really need... They, they could look <laughs> after themselves, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? So, no, I don't think... But I, as a general, the whole team, if somebody got kicked or yeah. thingy, the whole team, it'd be over there and it'd yeah. be, you'd be fighting your, fighting your corner because you can't afford to be bullied on a football pitch. Wimbledon, back in the early days, they would, they would try and do it. They would try and give it's you that the, yeah. sort of yeah, stuff yeah. in the in the in the in the tunnel going out, and they try and bully you on the pitch. And if you didn't stand up to that, you'd fall and get beaten. That's probably one of the reasons why Wimbledon was so, so successful. So, so, like two of the hardest centre halves in the Premier League, you and Bruce. Well, we call Daisy and Dolly. Is that what you going to say? <laughs> Just that teed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, God, I don't know. I don't know what. No, I had no idea. The gaffer Dolly used it as a throwaway, yeah. throwaway comment, didn't he? Yeah. I've always said it's not going to strike fear into the heart of many centre forwards no. because oh we're up against Daisy and Dolly today you know what I mean yeah cheers for that one boss yeah he, he threw it was a throwaway comment in a, in a in a press conference apparently he was having a bit of a laugh and and it kind of stuck so yeah every everywhere I go when I do the little chats and whatever people going which one are you Daisy or Dolly yeah lovely uh, I say off think of another one <laughs> so Pally it started with the FA Cup then it went on the European Cup Winners Cup the League Cup. Um, European Super Cup but no league title yep so it was so successful but how itching were you all as a group to get there listen it it was strangling the club it was 20 was it 26 years 26 years did you feel that pressure yeah because I mean certainly the year before when we lost it to Leeds which was the last year of of the championship the first division championship we played some great football that year but the pitch had started to deviate really, really badly. We couldn't play the football that we kind of wanted to. And we then lost Robbo. I think we, we, we I think Incy was out for a couple of games. I mean, we had to play four games in seven days. I think we played something like Saturday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, because they wouldn't they wouldn't lengthen the the, the, the period of the, the league. And no squad rotation. So, well, like- yeah, we had a squad of probably about nineteen. Yeah, and we had we were ravaged by injury, um, and we and we ended up losing the league to Leeds. Now, I always say, you know, the best team always wins the league. I, I, I listen. I, I thought we were the best team that year. We should have won the league that year. Um, it conspired against us. Uh, listen, the, the pitch is our own fault, the club's fault. You know what I mean? But you know, to play four games in 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 seven days was. You wouldn't ask a horse to do that, so why? Just why would you did ask? all our pre-season training, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't stand me instead. Instead for that, but oh yeah, it was, it was a bitter. It was a bitter taste because we ultimately lost the the league that year at uh, at Anfield. We got beat two 0 there, I think it was, and that 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 handed the title to Leeds. So I think we came back and used that the following season as um, that inspiration mm-hmm. to. To, to get us over the line there was a determination in that dressing room that we wouldn't um, get found out again um, and finally that and was it. finally we, 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 we managed to do that in, in 93 which was which was in, yeah, incredible I mean it's 
Was that your the, favourite title, would you say? Yeah, yeah, because I, I've never known an emotion like it in Old mm-hmm. Trafford in all the time I've been there. They reckon the Barcelona night when they were when Robbo scored yeah, the two and they beat them 3 0 yeah. and Maradona played, they reckon that was, yeah. Robbo says that was incredible. Um, but I've never known an emotion like that in Old Trap. There was there was so many emotions of like that. There was that party atmosphere. There's the the relief, the happiness. That all the emotions were on display in that crowd that night when we went out as as champions. Because obviously Villa had got beat the day before, and um, we were all a little bit drunk from the party that night before <laughs> as well. I've got to say. And uh, yeah, oh, we went to uh, well. we went to Brucey's house yeah. because we 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 got the we got the the gaffer told us not to watch the game. It's impossible on the on the Sunday. I think we were playing on a Monday. He says, right, don't go and watch. Do not watch the game. I'm banning you from watching the game. He said, you'll just you know I mean you you'll just expand energy and I want you fit and ready for that. You're gonna have to beat Blackburn the following night. So forget about that game. So obviously we all went home and tuned in um, <laughs> and watched the game. So I, I'm around there with my parents and my girlfriend and Villa get beat, which was so unexpected. And so all of a sudden we're Premier League champions and we're like, ah, I'm going like... What do we do? Right. <laughs> now this is, this is not how we imagined it, you know yeah. what I mean? This is 26 years of pain for Manchester United yeah. and I am and, and, and I don't know what to do. So it was that kind of real weird feeling for about 10 minutes. And the phone rang. <laughs> 10 minutes. The phone rang. Well, it seemed like an eternity. Yeah, so like I'm going that. like Chucky lived over the road. I'm thinking, should I go across to Chucky's and, and, and see Chucky doing. and say, get the beers out? Because <laughs> you know, I don't want to get the beers out. So anyway, the phone rang and it's Brucey. And he said, Pally, Brucey, uh, right, I've had a chat with a gaffer. Gaffer said, it's all right if you come round, man. We have a couple of beers. Don't go silly. Have a couple of beers and make sure you're right for tomorrow night's game. Said, right, brilliant. We're all coming over. Parents, girlfriend, jump in the taxi, shoot over to, to Brucey's house. When I get there, there's already a few of the lads. Um, so the, the beer's getting opened and the music's on and we're, we're all having a few. There's paparazzi down the street because Brucey lived opposite Schmeichs. And then one by one, I think it was only Sharpie. Sharpie decided to go to Old Trafford so nobody could get in touch with him. So he was partying <laughs> in with the fans at Old Trafford. So there was only him missing. The rest of the lads were all around there. And I think we finished at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so you can imagine the kind of state the boys were in. You know what I mean? Just won the first title. It's just, it was just fantastic. We turn up the next night at the game and some of the boys looked a little bit worse for wear and the gaffer's there to, to greet us all. Congratulations. Oh, my God. He's <laughs> looking at you go. Just don't Oh, breathe. my God. Oh, don't my breathe. God. You are going to just embarrass me tonight, aren't you? So um, he gives us a bit of a pep talk before, I think, the pep talks on, on one of the videos and he sort of says, you know, go out and enjoy yourselves and, you know, express yourselves like Premier League champions. But just win. <laughs> just win. Do not embarrass me. Is that the and, game you uh, scored the free kick? That was the game I scored the free kick. But I go. Have you ever it. taken a free kick before? Uh, yes, I took a free kick in, 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 against uh, Peshki <laughs> Munkas in the uh, cup uh, cup winners cup first round on that year. We won it. Scored? Uh, no. Uh, Archie Knox was on the. He said, "Let Pally have a go." He was about thirty yards out, and he's going, "Pally, have a shot." And I'm going, "What?" Oh, go on, have a, have a straight, go on, hit it from there. And I'm going, all oh, right, uh, Archie wants me to take the free kick. So I goes up this free kick and he must have bobbled about 16 times <laughs> before he hit the, the wall. And Archie's like, Polly, don't take anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my only uh, experience of a free kick. So why did you that. take that one? Because, and this was unbeknown to me, we get there, obviously there's a celebratory uh, atmosphere in the dressing room before the game against Blackburn. 
and we've won the title and everybody's having a laugh and the banter's flying. I think I was in the I was in the treatment room getting my band. I, wanted, I always used to get a bandage on the ankle. And Kiddo walked in, and Kiddo was always taking the razz like one of you, know what I mean? So he's walked in, he's went, big man. He said, do you realise that you're the only player who hasn't scored this season? I went, what? He says, yeah, you're the only player who hasn't scored this season. He said, uh, Schmeichs has scored this season from open play. And he did, he came up from a free kick yeah. and against one of the Russian teams and scored a header. I went, oh, yeah. He said, worse than that, he said, Parks has scored this season. Because <laughs> <laughs> Parks never scored goals. And he went, you're the only one. So he was just taking the razz out of me like that. And I'm going, oh, man, this is embarrassing. So we had that game in the Wimbledon game before the end of the season. I think, oh, God, I'm going to have to score a goal here. So the rest of the lads are joining in with the banner. And so I remember coming in at half time. We just equalised. Giggsy had scored, yeah, smashed yeah. one in from third. You played that. You played that game. Did you not car, play that game? No, I was in a car crash the day before, so I missed out. Was you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't score. Were you two not roommates for a long time? As long yes, as yes, yes. Each yes. Other? I know. Yeah, we were roommates for too long, weren't we, son? Yeah. <laughs> Do you Absolutely. remember Maisie ri- arriving? Uh, yeah, because he's a centre half. So you're thinking, oh my God, is that my position? Uh, you just cut me short, my story here now. Yeah, what sorry, are you doing? Sorry, I'm sorry, talking sorry, about you. Yeah, I'm not giving me a chance to talk about me goal against Blackburn. Be professional. Sorry, you Charlie, God. sorry. <laughs> anyway. Taking it away from you. Yeah, yeah. My moment of glory. So anyway, I come in at half time and, I, and chatting away. And I, said, I just said, hey, so you get any free kicks? I said, I'm, 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 I'm having a free kick. I'm on it. And they're all going, yeah, they all be, man. Yeah, yeah. I said, no, no, I said, I'm having it. So Robbo took a dive on the edge of the box and I think it was the 92nd minute and uh, we get a free kick and Giggs, he had smashed one in from 30 yards. He wanted to take it. He wanted to take it. Canton, I wanted to take it. Dennis Irwin wanted to take it. I went, no, hey, it's mine. get out of the way. And they're all kind of like, I said, come on. I said, it's, yeah, mate, it's my only chance. So I think they felt sorry for me. Let me take the free kick and I smashed it into the bottom corner, but it took a slight deflection. I don't know who off, but if you ever look at the footage, you can see Dennis Irwin running up to me, jumping on me, going, it's an own goal! <laughs> <laughs> Even then he's trying to take it away from me, like, you know what I mean? It's an own goal. Yeah, it was just a great end, for me personally. Uh, I think remember, everybody enjoyed it. Can you remember what you said one. when you scored that? Yeah, because I got a crack on the head off me, off me and I went, get in there, you beauty <laughs> and obviously didn't have to and be a, re- a real lip reader to <laughs> yeah. realise what I'd said and uh, yeah when I got back home to Tisa and I went round my nan's house she gave me a clip round the back of here said don't let me see you swearing on the TV again son um, no drama you didn't take any more free kicks as far as so I'm no after that no never got a free kick after that but um, and did you yeah, feel to- as a team the Real relief going yeah. into the next season. Yeah, I think that in my time, I think the next season was probably some of the best football that we that we played uh, because that monkey was off our back and the, the lads could just go out and you weren't playing with that. Oh God, we've got to win this game. There was more of a. I think the team expressed itself more and we played some fantastic football that season and won the. That was the year. That was the, that was the double year. Then was it ninety three, ninety four? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, after 26 years of, of you know, a club the size of Manchester, it's hard to believe that, you know what I mean, you could go that long without a club this size winning the title. But that's where we were. So to, to do it, yeah, it, it, it released a lot of the pressure that the club was under. And then you win your double, which must have been then a was lot a of double, fun. Yeah, yeah. And then Maisie arrives. And then Maisie arrived, the most quiet man. That's what he tells that's us. That's the quietest <laughs> man I've ever said, seen arrive at Old Trafford. Is that the really? only time and this you've seen him quiet? The only time, sense. but a whole season, he was the quiet man. It's like that film. <laughs> and, um, and I'll never forget, 
because we went out with the Christmas party and I think we bumped into a couple of the Blackburn oh, lads. Yeah. And they went, how are you getting on with Maisie? I went, oh, he's really quiet, isn't he? They went, ah! <laughs> I said, he said he's bonkers. I said, he's not said boo to a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and he, you know, he's coming, you know, but, that's, but that's the effect, that's isn't it? That's an effect. Thing, yeah. yeah, and maybe, well, yeah, yeah. but you're just kind of in there and you're feeling your way around the place. You, you want to be, you know what I mean? It, I guess it, went, it probably would have been a lot more intimidating for Maisie because the team was just won the league. successful. Just won the double, yeah back then to walk into that dressing room yeah it, it, for a year he never said anything and then then the year after we realised what David yeah. May was all about yeah, yeah. you realised we the preferred the quiet room. one to be quite honest with you <laughs> did you feel a bit of pressure with him coming yeah because it's centre half yeah mm-hmm. you, you start to think oh wow what what is this is this my place uh, did he did he's coming in for is it is is it Brucey's place or what but by that time I think it, it was becoming a more of a squad thing wasn't it do you know what I mean the and I, do you know I, mean, I remember a couple of years before that all started sat with a gaffer he used to sit and play cards with a gaffer at the back of the he used to play a game of hearts so there'd be me Robbo um, Brucey Chockey the gaffer we'd all play hearts and I remember him saying to me like, probably two or three years before it became the thing to do saying you more or less need two teams now if you want to battle on all fronts for European trophies League Cup FA Cup Premier League Said you you need a squad of, of of 24 internationals, and that's that was his foresight back then. That's how it came to so pass that you needed that. That changed, would you say? Yeah, I would, I would, I would say so. Yeah, mm. but I, I mean, it still didn't have the depth uh, of the squad that you. I don't think that squad had the depth of the squad that you had in '99. No, I think the depth of that squad was the best that depth the club's squad, probably yeah. ever had. Because you have two players for every position, though. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, he had to fight. But that's that. I think that was the beginning when Maisie came in. There was there was other players. You know, I mean, he would bring two or three players in at a time, and uh, the squad was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It could deal with injuries. It could, you know, could then rest players. When 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 somebody comes in in your position, you go, oh dear. You know what I mean? Is it, who's 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 for the who's for the chop? We've discussed the free kick. But actually, as a centre back, you got I think 15 goals and 16 assists for United. Not bad for a centre not forward. Not bad at all, is it? <laughs> no, it's really ridiculous. Alongside Brucey. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. When did you get Maisie? Uh, nine, I think. Nine. Yeah. It's not bad. I thought you would have had more than that. No. Nine, but, I think. But two at Anfield are short. Eight are they the ones that stand out? Two at Anfield's uh, stand out. What was that? Ninety-six. And they stand out for two reasons. There was a major, um, a major result, and there's uh, it certainly knocked. Liverpool out of the league title race that year so I would, to get two in front of the cop at Anfield it doesn't get much better than that it's the only time he ever scored two in my professional career but what had happened I don't know if you remember this Maisie when we, we did all the um, we never really did set pieces did we but that week leading up to it he'd had a, he'd had a letter from a, an ex-army guy talking about um, decoys how they use decoys in warfare or something like that and he'd a, so the gaffer's right, right, we're going to do decoy running from set pieces. So we spent a lot of that week doing these set pieces, which we never did. So we go into this game at Anfield and the work an absolute treat. Ronnie Johnson ran to the first, uh, the, the near post from the cross from, I think it was Bex, and I scored the first header. And I'm like, wow. And then they equalise, and then uh, we get in, I, I, made, I make the near post run, Bex puts it on my head, I get in front of David James and flick it into the, and I've scored two and winning two one. David James then dropped the 
uh, bit of a clanger for the third one when he came and, yeah. and missed it and, and Coley scored the third so we won 3-1 at Anfield I've scored two I am buzzing I am absolutely on cloud nine <laughs> so I've come into the dressing room the dressing room was brilliant when you win at Anfield the dressing yeah. room is a fantastic place to be so we're all enjoying it da, 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 da. next minute the one who came in said Pally they want you to do the match of the day interview I went yeah no problem going out there full of beans you know what I mean oh, Pally when I talk about your goals and all that and he said how come you've scored, you know, what, what, what's with the two goals from uh, the set? I said, oh, well, we've been working on it all week. I said, and it's worked an absolute treat. Unbeknown to me, we were playing Brushy Dortmund in the semi-final of the European Champions uh, Cup on the, on the Wednesday. The gaffer had gone, and, gone out and done an interview and said, oh, no, it was all off the cuff. We haven't been practising that at all. It was just off the cuff. And <laughs> so I didn't know this, so I've come yeah. in and I've got a rollicking off the gaffer. <laughs> I've scored two at hand and he's like, I've just been out there until you made me look stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because he liked clipping her on the back of the head, didn't he? And I'm thinking, God, I've scored two and I've still got an air dryer. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was memorable for two, for two things. Yeah. Did you get told off often? Yeah, very, very. very <laughs> what, what I think what? I was his favourite go-to player, wasn't I, really? Sharpie. Is that because you were up to mischief, though? No, I wasn't. I, no, I just, I, I think he, because I was quite, a, I think I was quite, I was, no, no, he had two, Incy was always, Maisie was always the mischief makers well, back when Maisie came like around, him. yeah. Then Scolzi and, and Butty would always be up Deep there, no blood, good yeah. gigs, he'd be up to, yeah. up to summit, wouldn't he? But no, I what think he always felt as though he had to just keep pushing me because I was kind of a little bit laid back. I think lazy. he always, oh, lazy, whichever way you want to call it. And he just felt as though, he, I think he felt as though he had to, Keep pushing me, so he, yeah. He, he, yeah. Gigs he used to get him quite a bit. Yeah, Gigsy Sharpie. Listen, there was only Canton and I never got him. <laughs> even Brian Robson got it once. You weren't there, but he, yeah. he even he got it. I'd say it was half a hairdryer. But yeah, there weren't. They, you didn't want to be in there when that was when that was kicking off. Did the players all refer to it as a hairdryer? Well, Sparky started it. Yeah, Sparky called it, nicknamed it the hairdryer, and then it just took a life of its own after that. You know what I mean? Because. If you were getting a hairdryer, everybody else would be chuckling. You know what I mean? If you were in the, if yeah. you were in the gaffer's eye shot, you'd have people be angry, sort of giving you that look as like, oh, all the best. You know what I mean? <laughs> just never get. Eye, you just never get eye. Contact you never try to get eye contact. Not looking because yeah. you know you're, it's coming to you. <laughs> or sometimes it? Kiddo will be working in the tunnel and you go, Pally, yeah. you're getting it. <laughs> He's after you, and you walk in there going, oh, here we go. And then sometimes you'd, you'd just stand up for yourself. Other times you'd, you'd let it roll. Um, I mean, I'd talk about an incident. I, I thought I was going to get the sack um, because we had a stand-up fight after the game. Not fight, but it got really, there was words said and he told me to get off. He said, get your shirt off, get in the shower. And he said, you, you subbed. And I went, right, stuff you, stuff the bloody... And I threw the shirt on the floor and, I'd, and we were going at each other hammer and tongs. And uh, we had to get separated, kind of thing, you know, in case we got too close. I think probably he'd have flung a punch, and I'd have probably flung a punch at the time. And um, as I was walking into the shower, he'd been chatting to Archie Knox, and he went, where do you think you're going? I said, I'm getting showered, that's where I'm going. He said, you're not getting away with that easy. Get your shirt back on, get your kit back on, get back on that pitch. I went, nah. And I walked off into the shower, and uh, Robbo and Brian McClare came in after me and went, listen, big man. Forget about what's just going on here. He said, we need everybody out on that pitch, second half. We were getting beat 1-0 in a cup match, I think it was. And he said, uh, forget about all that. This is about us as a team. We, we want you to be out there. You need to be out there. Get your kit back on. And So I did. Played the game, won the game. He had a little bit of a pop after the game, I remember. And um, 
I went back to Teesside. We had the following day off after. I went back to Teesside and got up the following morning and had breakfast with my mum and dad. And I said, uh, so I think I'll be putting a transfer list today. I said, I've had a big, <clears throat> big row with a gaffer. Got a bit heated. Things were said. And uh, I said, I think it's, uh, it's going to be the end of my career. And this was at about 18 months into in, uh, being at United. So I came back. I thought, right, I'm going to, you know I mean? I'm going to fight my corner. I, I thought what was said it was 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 harsh and what have you and and uh, I went up to I went up to see him. I went, no, I was asked. One of the lads came down and said the gaffer wants to see you after training the next day. So I went in and I was still full of hell. I thought I'm just going to fight my corner. I'm not going to get back down. I'm going to you know what I mean say what I feel and if I get sacked or I get transfer listed then then whatever. So I was still full of hell. I remember you used to have to knock on him and wait for him to say come in, but I knocked on his door and just pulled in and just, <laughs> like, and he went, oh, how are you, Pally? Have a seat. So I sat down and I was like, and I was just waiting for him to start and I was just ready to go again because I was still, I was still angry. But this, this and this, what, this is what I think separated him from, from everybody else. He just went, right, he said, he said, I brought you in, obviously, because of what happened the other night at halftime. And I went, yep. And he went, I just want to apologise for what I said. I just went like that. <sighs> I was like a deflated balloon. He just took everything out of me. And I went, again, I, just, I went, okay. okay. <laughs> 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 and, and maybe I, I mean, thinking back, I always remember thinking I should have maybe apologised as well. But I was just, I was just gobsmacked yeah. that he actually went, you know what I mean? He said, he said what I said. He said I was, you know, I was out of order. Um, I hope that doesn't affect us going forward. And I, I went, yeah, no problem. He says, but I will qualify this by saying I can't have me and you having a stand-up row at half-time when I've got, it used to be 10 minutes back then, 10 minutes to speak to the players. I can't have that happening again in my dressing room. He says, is that OK? Put his hand out. We shook hands. And I thought that was the end of the hairdryer, how wrong I was. <laughs> <laughs> and you wanted to get it just came, hairdryer. It just came thick and fast after that. But, <laughs> yeah, but that was it. I think, you know what I mean? It's, like I say, sometimes you just go, yeah, I've had a bad one. Yeah. I remember him taking, he took me off at, again, going back to Anfield, he took me off at Anfield at half time. And I did have a stinker. And, and, and he came in and he hammered me. And uh, he said, right, you subbed. And I, you know what I mean? You, you put your hands up and you went, I had a beast. I don't know why. I just had a, had a rotten game. After the game, uh, he went out to the press and they said, uh, oh, you took Pallister off at half time. I said, uh, he said, why was that? He said, oh, he picked up a knock. So he's, he's watching you because he knows if. You know what I mean? That you know, it's going to be a story, and he just took the wind out of the sails of that, and just said, "No, he picked up a bit of a knock, and we wanted it as a precaution to make sure he was." So he looked after my back, and that's what he—that's what he generally did. He would look after you, whether it was a football-related thing or something else off the pitch. He would always go that extra yard to try and help you, and I think, I think players appreciated that. Mm. You know what I mean? Because he could be tough, and he could be hard, and he could be very, and he was very demanding, but. He would, he would, he would go to the bat for you as yeah. well. So you thought that was going to be the end. When did you realise that your time at United was coming to an end? And when you when did he told leave, me it was. it was, and that's what happened. It was, oh, just, um, it was weird because I think we played. I think it was Leeds United was the last game I played, and it was the the last home game of the season. And I don't know why I came off Old Trafford that day. And, I, and you know, you know, you're getting, you're getting. Oh, we just signed Yap. We had Wes Brown coming through. Uh, Maisie was here, Ronnie Johnson, Hennenberg. We had a, we had a load of centre halves. Um, How old were you? I was thir- just coming up thirty three. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I just had this feeling. I don't know why, and I just thought, this could... I had no reason to think like that, but I, I just kind of thought, God, this could be my last time playing at Old Trafford. Mm. Kind of had that sense of deja vu or whatever well, you want to call it. What was your contract it. situation then? What did you have left? I still had a year left. Right. So anyway, during the week, we're training. And um, after training, I think it was the, the Wednesday before the final game of the season. And uh, get the call. Gaffer wants to see you in, the, in his office. And you think, right, okay. Well, you start thinking, what have I done wrong? What have I, <laughs> have I been out with the weekend? Been, or whatever, you know what I mean? And uh, so went up there and he said, uh, he sat me down, he said, right, he said, um, he said, we had an offer from Middlesbrough. All right, and Robbo was at Middlesbrough. All right, okay. And he went, uh, and we've accepted it. Went, right, okay. <laughs> um, so he said, it's up to you. You've still got a year's left on your contract. If you decide to stay, I'm really happy with that. If you want to go and talk to Middlesbrough, I'm cool with that. He said, but, you know, you're in your final year. He said, I don't think we'd be at off here another contract after that. And we couldn't promise you a first-team place, which you, ne- you never got promised a first-team place anyway. So, you, you know what I mean? But he, he's kind of letting you know, if you like. <clears throat> so he said, I'm happy either way. You know what I mean? We've said yes to the offer. Um, but if you want to stay, I'm quite happy to, to to roll with that as well. So he left it up to me. But obviously then you start thinking, well, if you've accepted the offer, then you start looking at, well, are you going to not get games? How's this going to feel if you start not being part of the big games? And I'd watched it with a couple of players. A couple of players, kind of, they kind of felt they had a bit longer left and were disappointed to leave. Uh, and it kind of maybe finished a little bit, not sour, because... They'd had great careers, but the felt as always a little bit left. And I didn't want to do that. And I just thought, well, if, if the club's accepted the bid, then, then maybe it's time to go. And if it, if it wasn't Middlesbrough, I, I wouldn't have went. But it was Middlesbrough, it was going back home. Robbo was the manager. So it, it, it ticked a lot, a lot of the boxes for me. So uh, I made that judgment to, to go back to the borough. Dream career, really, <laughs> for you? Playing for Manchester United, winning all these trophies in Sandwiched in between your two, your boyhood, boyhood club. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was ideal in a way, you know, to start and finish at Middlesbrough. I, I wanted to win something at Middlesbrough, which, but we never really got close to that. And the last year was blighted by injury. My back eventually gave up, <coughs> which ultimately led me to retire at 36. But yeah, to, I played um, five, eight years at Middlesbrough, nine years at Manchester United. So. Um, you know, from a as you say, from yeah. a from a lad who was starting off yeah. and just still a centre forward at age fifteen to to go on that journey. Mm-hmm. You know, when it all finished, you kind of wow, was that all a dream? Did do that really back, happen? Do you look back and think that way? I do, time? yeah. I, I, I look back and even when it was happening, I'm thinking this is just this is just <laughs> crazy. You know, how do you go from not being a, a professional at, at that age to not getting into the professional ranks at nineteen to going on and playing for England? Playing for Manchester United, winning the things that we did win at Manchester United, and, and end up doing that. How did it? How did that all gain the momentum it did and, and get me to where, where, you know, where I actually dreamt about being? It all felt very surreal. Yeah. And they sold you for a profit. And yeah, they sold me for a profit. And uh, yeah, I, I chatted with a with a manager about that not so long back. He said to me, he said, I, I felt you should have been allowed to go on a free, but the powers that be at the time yeah. decided that you were you're still a saleable asset. And uh, it put a little bit of pressure on me at Middlesbrough, really, because 
back What did you then. go back for? It was 200,000 more. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, I, I was sold... Yeah, two point three the payday. Yeah, they sold me back to Middlesbrough for two point five. So they made a two. <laughs> they made a two hundred grand profit on me and had nine years service as I well. I think that's so, so much cooler uh, than if you'd gone for free. The fact that you turned up as a as a record signing, won so much over nine years, and then went for more money at the end. <laughs> I think that's a cooler story. Well, it put more pressure on me at Middlesbrough, yeah. though. You know what I mean? Because all of a sudden, again, they're going, "What you pay two? But that's that's more than we pay for him to sell him." Yeah. So it was. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was crazy, and and yeah, I, I I felt as though I'd done enough to maybe go on a on a on a free transfer, but that's you know the club was maybe in a different different era back then. Well, Your time here, sorry, you ha- you made such great lifelong friends as well, people that you've always stayed in touch with. Maisie, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Maisie. That's only because you have to see him at MUTV. Yeah, it's only because I keep bumping him. Oh, it's great but being part. That shows the bond uh, that you yeah. all have. Yeah, no, it was great. I mean them. Them, they were priceless. That that team bonding. There's a lot of made up, a lot of talking about. We did used to go out for a, for a beer together. If we didn't have a midweek game, we we knew we'd have a Wednesday off. And generally, in the early days, it had been it would be Robo. Later on, it would have been Brucey. If we we tra- we always trained hard on the Tuesday. If we if we had mid if we had a Wednesday off, so we'd have a good blowout on the Tuesday, and then it'd be right. We're going to meet up at whatever pub. And we're going to have a few beers and we're just going to be having a bit of crack and a, bit, and a laugh. And if there's any, any issues that are festering anywhere, they can be brought up in that environment because it loosens the tongue a wee bit. And they were brilliant. I mean, yeah, Eric used to love them days. Yeah. He wouldn't be going to do it again. And yet, back in them days, a lot of the, the, the foreigners that would talk in the press were going, oh, well, the English, they drink too much beer and eat too many pies. They're not very healthy. You know what I mean? Eric was like, when are we going to do it again? That was great. That was fun. He loved it. Absolutely loved it. And uh, I, I honestly think it was part of that team spirit that we Absolutely. had, that genuine, do you know what I mean? Where you would go and fight for each other on a football pitch. And it, and it, and it manifests itself quite a wee bit in, the, in them kind of bonding sessions. Mm. It became, became a lot more like... Your mates, mates. Yeah, your friendships. Rather yeah. than your teammates. Yeah. You didn't have to go. It wasn't like, right, if you don't go, you're going to get chastised. You maybe that get happened you maybe, very often, Polly, that you didn't go? Nev didn't like going, Pally did he, in the early one. days? Oh, I never missed one, <laughs> did you? God, no, I'd be first. Malibu and Coke. Rob would, Rob would, all, be, Rob would all be last man standing, but, uh, you know what I mean, we were always... How, how can you get leathered on Malibu? <laughs> Malibu well, and Coke. Do you want to tell that story, do you? Do you want to tell that story? That was... We might as well finish with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, the Malibu story. It's gone from uh, a Malibu and Coke to a Malibu, Malibu and Pineapple, as Robo, Robo tells it now, but... It was, I think it was my second week I was at the club. So we're in, and we've got a, a fans session at Old Trafford in one of the big lounges down there. There was like a, a side room with a little bar in it. So we were totally going there, we, we were all going to get, they were going to call us through uh, as a squad and we're all going to go into this room and you know, big entrance and what have you. So we're in this little, it's this smaller room with a little bar. The gaffer walks in. And I'm stood, stood right next to the bar. And he goes, right, lads, he says, uh, I'm going to get you all a drink. He says, what are you having, Pally? And I went, <laughs> Right, or do I say, do I say, do I say a soft drink? Or do I say, do I a pint of beer? Or, like, yes. I don't want to think I'm a beer drink. I don't know. Well, Malibu's quite a street. You know, so I'll have a Malibu and Coke gaffer. He went, Malibu and Coke? He said, you have half a lager and I like it, son. <laughs> <laughs> so the lads absolutely tortured me. But I didn't know what else to say. I didn't want to say, I'll have a pint of beer gaffer. Yeah. Did you actually I was like scared. I was, I was scared. I didn't know what to say. 
Uh, well, I asked someone in Malibu and Coke, but Robbo tells a story, and Robbo has it in Malibu and a pineapple with an umbrella on the top now. <laughs> so <laughs> it's yeah, it's got story a life of its own, that story now. Superb. Well, Pally, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Being Cheers, Pally. So there it is, the Gary Pallister episode of the United podcast. Amazing. That Malibu and Coke story was wonderful. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. It? And the fact that no Robbo changes it to a Malibu and pineapple yeah. with a little umbrella makes it even better. But as I, as I said to you before, um, before we actually started talking about him, you know, the story from where he, where he was up in, up in yeah. Middlesbrough, whether he's going to be a basketball player or, you know, going from team to team, centre forward back to, even back to a goalkeeper, ending up at, as a centre half. It's just a fantastic story. It's incredible, isn't it? That, that, that would lead to not only someone that spent nine years under Alex Ferguson at Manchester yeah. United, but also a British record signing. Yeah, and probably, probably one of the best centre-halves you know, to grace Old Trafford. It's an incredible story. Yeah. And, you know, we, we go on about kids growing up and their opportunities you know, being scuppered, but if you want it that much, that is a perfect example yeah. of not giving up and, and you know, giving your all wherever you are. You never know who's watching you. Yeah, and it sounds more than anything like he was doing it because he loved it. He just wanted to be playing football. Yeah. You know, this is an incredible story that, you know, to play the teams he did as a young kid, not even getting picked or playing for the, you know, the third team five or six years later, he's putting on an England shirt. Yeah, that's, it's, it's mad. That, that is mad, yeah. yeah. Uh, also mad that he told us he nearly got into a fist fight with Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah, that's the first time I've heard that story. Yeah. So, you know, not many people know about it, but... Um, or would admit to it, I think. Yeah, well, I, th- I think when you get to the... When you get ex-players, mm-hmm. then the stories can come out. You know, the, 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 the lads that we do, that we have been doing on the podcast who are still at the club, hold yeah. back a little bit. Sure. But it's a fantastic story, and, and I think he just epitomises more what mm-hmm. Sir Alex was like. You know, he never held any grudges. Yeah. And Pally's going into the dress, uh, going into the, the manager's office, banging on the door, going straight in, not waiting to be asked to come in, ready to give him another, another barrage of abuse. <laughs> and the gaffer just absolutely kills it by, yeah. you know, standing up, shaking hands, and, and that's it. Who would your money be on if they'd uh, come to blows? Uh, probably on, a, on an age... On an age balanced fight mm-hmm. I would probably say Pally <laughs> yeah but you know Gaffer in his day Pally in his day it'd be a right little rumble that it'd never end would it it'd be great yeah alright we should probably leave it there uh, if you're enjoying these podcasts then please let us know you can email us unitedpodcast at mainunited.co.uk so it's utdpodcast at mainunited.co.uk we'll be back with some more very very soon enjoy your week <laughs>